if we read the first three chapters in the letter to the Romans, what Paul has thus far established is all human beings of every nation, of every race, of every tongue, of every culture, Jews and Gentiles, the immoral and the good, the religious and the irreligious are without exception sinful, guilty, inexcusable and speechless before God. This is our state. When we stand before God, he says, you just cannot stand before God. You know, what kind of condition that Paul is describing in this place? There is no ray of light. It's full of darkness. You know, there's no hope. Who will come and rescue us? That's what Paul is telling us. This is our state. We are in a hopeless situation. And who will come and rescue us? That's how he ended Romans chapter 3, verse 20. He said, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. This is, this is the way he ends. In other words, he says, Christians, non-Christians, religious, irreligious, good, bad, all people are declared, you know, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law, rather through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Keeping this verse in our mind, let us rise to our feet for the scripture reading taken from the letter to the Romans, chapter 3, verse 21 to 31. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to 31. Romans 3, 21 to 31. But now your righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice. Because in His forbearance, He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so has to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? 
Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. This is God's word. Kindly be seated. Can I just go to 320? Now, in chapter 3 verse 20, Paul said, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. And immediately, when he comes to verse 21, he says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. But now... Oh, just now only you said all of us, there's no hope for us. But now, what happened? But now, he says God has intervened in the history of human beings. But now, God has intervened. Because God has intervened, we saw that before that, there was no light, there was darkness, there was full of darkness, there was no hope, there is no one who will come to my rescue. But now, but now God has come to your help. God has come to your rescue. That's, that's how... Paul is telling us. He says now there is a fresh revelation that has come. The fresh revelation on what? Focusing on the work of Jesus Christ. What Jesus Christ did on the cross. Because of that, there is hope for humanity. Till now, the old testament or the old era, it was an era of condemnation. It was an era of sin. He said, God did not punish them. In the, old, in the Old Testament, there was no forgiveness the way we talk in the New Testament because they had to continue to do sacrifice all the time. There is nothing known as a final sacrifice. But now, what happened in the New Testament? There is hope for all of us. There is hope for all of us. It was night. It was dark night. No. Sun is shining bright. That's what Paul is telling. And then he says, the righteousness of God is supreme in a believer's life. This righteousness of God. We have already seen how the one verse righteousness of God, you know, brought in the Reformation movement. You know, Romans 1, 16, in 17, he says, for now, yeah, the righteousness of God has been revealed. Yeah, righteousness from first to last by faith. Just as is written, the just live by faith. And how it transformed the lives of people. We have seen that. So now he's talking about the righteousness of God. Till now, you know, the moment you hear a word, but, in the Bible, we need to sit and think, what is this but? What happened now? Because till now Paul said humanity is covered with sinful condition. It's dark. It's absolutely dark. But now what is he saying? Oh, but now you know what is there? There's the glittering diamond of the gospel. Gospel is just shining forth in the lives of human beings. That's, that's what Paul says. Now, what does he mean by 
righteousness we need to understand all is you know in the english bible we come across these two words righteousness and justification now what makes the christian gospel so unique what is so unique in the christian gospel paul says what is unique in the christian gospel is the righteousness of god now what is this righteousness of god why it makes the gospel so unique because in romans 1:17 he said for in the gospel the righteousness of god is revealed for in the gospel gospel is all about the righteousness of god a righteousness that is by faith from first to last just as it is written the righteous will live by faith now paul had already mentioned in roman chapter 1 verse 17 and now in verse 21 he is again saying the same thing but now apart from the law the righteousness of god has been made known the righteousness of god has been made known to which to which what the entire old testament testified the prophets and the law testified testify what the righteousness of god now what is this what is meant by this righteousness of god because we keep reading righteousness of god righteousness of god what is meant by the righteousness of god you know righteousness of god is a combination of his righteous character god's righteous character his saving initiative and his gift of a righteous standing before him it is god is righteous in fact we 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 have we we very rarely we use this word but most often we use you know when we say god is love god is love god is love god is love but it will be better to understand if you'll understand god better if we say that god is holy love it is not only love it is holy love because you can never compromise on the holiness of god so god is holy and so he, it is is righteous character we will see what is meant by this righteous character his saving initiative if we think we have been saved if we believe we have been saved remember the first step was taken by god it is god who started the salvation process in you and me now the only question we can ask god why me why me better people are there why me you know salvation we have received salvation because god took that first step today if you are saved and if you have that assurance of salvation look to that god and tell him oh god i thank you because you took that first step we have already seen religiosity cannot stand you know save us our good life cannot save us we have seen that paul has already has established just because you are circumcised just because you are following rituals don't think you can stand before god you know paul has already made it clear you and i cannot stand before god with an upright face so what is this righteousness of god it is a righteous character of god it is his saving initiative his love 
and his gift of righteous standing before him now if you read uh, romans chapter 3 since we are reading it in the english bible we we miss out the difference because when we see righteousness and justification both means the same because if you read it in the green greek bible the word that is used is dikaio sune righteousness so it is in 21 it is dikaio sune righteousness in verse 24 when you come the word used is justification again it is a derivative of dikaio sune it is righteousness so in the greek bible because when we read it in the english bible we find oh that is righteousness oh that is something different oh this is justification no both are same because the greek word is the same paul wrote it in the greek language not in the english language so he is using the same word righteousness and uh, justification because in verse 24 he says all are justified freely by his grace we don't have an english word but if we have a word like this it will go like all are righteousness freely righteousness freely it may not be a proper english word but that's what paul writes because it is again dikaisune which has been translated as justified now what is this righteousness of god what is this righteousness you know righteousness is your you know your there is a vacancy in a multinational company so immediately you see what are the requirements and you make a beautiful cv and you know you are qualified so you send the cv to them you know that you have an entry into this company because you are qualified to go enter this company now all the religions of the world or all the culture they believe that we can also prepare a cv to stand before god that is the difference between the religion and the gospel so the religions of the world and the cultures of the world they believe i can prepare a cv for myself and i can go and stand before god god this is my cv and we think god will open the door that is paul says oh that's not the way kingdom works you know in this kingdom i will tell you that this righteousness comes from god you know you have received righteousness because of what jesus did for you and me on the cross so that is the righteousness of god and when we go and stand before god it is not that i have done ministry for you god i am standing here because of what jesus did for me none of us with all the good things with all our credentials can go and stand before god the only thing which will make us stand before god is what jesus did on the cross that is the righteousness of god in all the in all other religions you ought to work hard to gain entry or to get the approval of god in this religion in this gospel god has already done it for you you don't have to add anything that's what's known as the work theology you do something good so that god will be pleased with you 
now god is already if you are saved member if you know jesus christ you are already perfect standing before god your works can never make you perfect should we do good works yes we should do good works we have been saved to do good works but good works cannot save us so if we believe i'm a good person a good person is not a good credential enough to stand before god i'm a good pastor no that's not enough i'm a big evangelist that's not enough none of us can stand before god with this sort of credentials with this sort of cv we need to have the righteousness of god and that is there for you and me that's what paul says in this place that is the uniqueness of the gospel now bishop handley moon you know he explains this concept dramatically i've just changed few words so that it will be uh, re- you know we'll be able to understand it better okay the we we the person okay we always think sh- shall we go to the picture yeah uh, we always think we are better you know after all we are better yeah we are better than others okay we yeah the, we are better okay we we think probably this person okay the person who is standing there there at the bottom there at the valley okay we'll think he is a prostitute he is a liar he is a murderer obviously he will fall short of god's righteousness there's no doubt about it now we all know he's sinful he's totally sinful so he is standing at there at the bottom okay here is the pastor here is somebody who is doing ministry holy man he is standing on the top of the mountain now where is god now tell me whether this person can touch the star this person can touch the star is there any difference between this person and this person compared to the distance between star and these two people star is god god is unapproachable his holiness is something is unapproachable so all our work theology if we can even imagine we are on the top of the mountain we need to realize still i am very very far away from the star whether you we are here or here it doesn't matter we all are far away from god all our credentials assuming it can bring us up to this place it cannot take us to heaven where we can touch god so if you and i have to touch god what do we need if you and i have to touch god it is impossible for us it is impossible for us standing on the mountain top let it be the everest standing on the mountain top you cannot touch the star so you need help help comes from where who can help god alone has to help and that is the righteousness of god that is the righteousness of god that is the difference between the gospel and the religions of the world religions of the world say oh you need to work hard oh you need to fast oh you need to do good things okay you do good things 
okay you fast okay you pray okay you do ministry okay you will come here so what you come here but where is god god is god he is holy he is set apart from human beings he is not a human being he is set apart from us he is there so how do i touch him i need the righteousness of god and paul says that is the righteousness of god we receive it now how does the righteousness of god come you know paul explains in verses 22 to 25 how does the righteousness of god come now i'm standing on the mountain top but i want to touch god how does it come because unless i receive the righteousness of god i cannot touch god so how does this righteousness of god come so verses 22 to 25 there basically there are four important points in this about how righteousness come comes to sinful people you know scholars they call this particular passage as the center and heart of the whole letter letter to the romans they say this is the most important part in this in the letter to the romans dr leon morris he says possibly the most important single paragraph ever written that's how leon morris describes describes this passage possibly the most important single paragraph ever written now what's the key phrase in this paragraph the righteousness of god the righteousness of god you know the first there are four important things how it comes the first thing is this righteousness is given through faith in jesus christ to all who believe this righteousness is given through faith in jesus christ to all who believe there is no difference between jew and gentile all are lost so there is no difference but it's given through faith in jesus christ now we all have this <clears throat> problem what is faith what is faith so faith is what faith in a statement faith is what we need to know what is this faith because it comes through faith in jesus christ to all who believe okay let me try to uh, uh, explain this through a picture okay i may have great unshakable faith you know in the ability of feathers strapped to my arms to fly me from bangalore to delhi i have great faith faith in what the feathers strapped to my arm that will take me from bangalore to delhi but is it possible because i have put my faith in the wrong place but i may not be a very bold person i may be fearful flying in the air but with that little fear i just board a jet airways that that will take me from bangalore to delhi will it take me now what was the difference in the first case also i had faith 
in fact, in the first case, I had more faith. In the second case, I had little faith. I had more fear, little faith. But I reached Delhi. Now, what's the difference? The object of faith. In the first place, I had faith in the feathers. That's the object of my faith. Now, in the second thing, I had my object of faith was plain. So, I landed. So, faith in Jesus Christ. It is the object. It is the object of faith. Our faith should be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. It is not the performance of Jesus Christ, the very person of Jesus Christ. That should be the object of our faith. That is the righteousness of God. Righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So our faith should be in Jesus Christ. It is not faith that saves. It is not faith that saves. I know it's a troubling statement for some of us. It is not even faith in God that saves. People have faith in God. People have faith in God. This is a country which believes in God. So, it is not even faith in God that saves. It is faith in Jesus Christ that saves. That's why Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. I am the way. So it is faith in Jesus Christ. It is in the person of Jesus Christ. Now second, how does the righteousness of God come? It cannot come through our own actions or efforts. It cannot, it's a very troubling statement, but that's the Bible. Let's get back to the word of God. It cannot come through our own actions or efforts. Because in Romans 3.23, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were made in God's image to bring glory to God. Whenever we behave or we, we live like God, we bring glory to his name. And we all realize how, how much we lack in our life. To what extent this image has been dented in us. It is marred, the image that God gave us has been marred because in the true image everything that we do will bring glory to God because we will be doing exactly what God will be doing now because of our fallen nature with all our best intentions we don't do like God will do we do like what we want to do so as human beings we are not able to do that so for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, I am a sinner, I have fallen, I cannot do. Now what should I do? How do I receive the righteousness of God? Because I am not capable of doing it. I don't have that. What do I do? Then Paul says, it is given freely. The righteousness of God is given freely. Because in verse 24 he says, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came 
by Christ Jesus. Freely means freely. You don't have to pay anything. Because we might think faith as a kind of work. We, you, you know, if you make faith as work, then you will never be able to do enough work to have that faith. Because tomorrow, if you are confronted with problems, you will think, oh, something is wrong with me. Oh, I need to now fast. I need to go on five days of prayer. These are all good things. But if your faith is in faith, this is what will happen. We'll be, we'll be disturbed. You know, we can never produce enough faith to face all the situations in this world because every time you will fall short of your standard. So faith is not what you whip up. Faith is in the person, in the person of Christ Jesus, what he has done. He has already, we don't want to accept that. You know, we struggle because God, how can you say I'm righteous? How can you say I'm perfect? The more you read about righteousness, this gospel will be so dear. It will be, be more precious than anything in this world. You know, when you stand before God, God sees you as a perfect human being. That is righteousness of God. And it comes to us freely. Freely. So where does faith helps us? Faith just helps us to come before God with our empty hands. Oh God, you alone can save me. You alone can save me. That is faith. Faith is just, we stand before God. I cannot save myself. Because I see my condition. I cannot save myself. I see Lord, how far you are, how holy you are. You are a holy God. I may stand on the top of the mountain. On the mountain top I may be standing, but the star is far away. I cannot come near you. So faith, I just come as a helpless person and receive what God wants to offer us. Quite often in the church, we turn this faith into work. And that's where we struggle. You know, I need to do this. I need to do this. Then only God will approve. No, God died for us while we were at sinners. Not because I did good things. When I was a wretched sinner, amazing grace saved me. So sometimes in church, unknowingly, you can have a theology of work. Oh, I need to go to God. I need to do... You need to do things in the church. Not because for you to be saved or for God to, you know, to please God. Nothing that we do you know, will be earn our salvation. Faith is only the instrument by which we receive our salvation, not the cause of our salvation. Faith is only the instrument by which we receive our salvation. Faith doesn't save us, but it is Jesus Christ who saves us. It is Jesus Christ who saves us. We need to have faith. Faith in what? Faith in the person of Jesus Christ. 
faith in the person of Jesus Christ. That is why you can preach wonderful gospel. If Jesus Christ is not there, then it's not gospel. If somebody just accepts Jesus Christ and his work, the gospel starts working in his life. If you think you have been saved because of faith in the work of Jesus, it's time to come back and say, have I have faith in Jesus? Jesus always told his disciples, follow me, follow me, follow me. Fourth, Paul says, you know, he is very specific. What we must have faith in. We must have faith in what? So then Paul says, it is Christ's work on the cross. It is Christ's work on the cross. It is, you know, there are people who believe in Jesus. Oh, he's a great teacher. He's an admirable person. Oh, salvation doesn't come because Jesus is a good teacher. Jesus is an admirable person. He's a great uh, healer. No, salvation does not come. Salvation comes because having faith in the blood of Jesus. Through faith in the blood, he gave his life. That's how salvation comes. Because in Romans 3.25 he says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. You know, I wish I had time to just speak on this one phrase, sacrifice of atonement, hilastrion. You know, many versions will say different words. You know, some verse will say, NIV will say sacrifice of atonement. Some of the versions will say propitiation. Some of the versions will say expiation. You know, you can keep studying about each word, but I don't want to get into the, that, but we need to remember God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. As a sacrifice. Saving faith is that faith that we have in Christ Jesus and his name crucified. That is the saving faith. Saving faith in Christ Jesus and in him crucified. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2-2 to For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Except Jesus Christ and him, and him crucified. All who believe in Christ Jesus will be saved, will be made righteous. All are sinners, Jews, Gentiles, religious, irreligious, moral good, all are sinners. So when we have faith, faith is given freely and when we have faith in Jesus, we will be saved. We will receive the righteousness of God. 
Martin Lloyd Jones, he he sums up this para like this: the man who has faith is the man who is no longer looking at himself and no longer looking to himself. He no longer looks at anything he once was. He does not look at what he is now. He does not look at what he hopes to be. He looks entirely to the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work and he rests on that alone. He looks entirely to the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work and he rests on that alone. Because if you read, if you have followed the passage that we read, you know, he will say there is no more boasting. Why there is no more boasting? Because he keeps looking entirely to the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work. There's nothing that we can boast about in us, in what we do or who we are, because we know what Jesus Christ has done for us. So there's no more boasting. Okay, finally, righteousness of God. Christ and his cross. You know, when we talk about righteousness of God, we said that God is holy. You know, how can a holy God overlook sin in us? Can he overlook sin in us? If he overlooks sin in us, he becomes unfair to the victims of sin. When God overlooks my sin, he becomes unfair to the victims of my sinful nature. Sin always affects others. It affects us, it affects people around us. So when God is a righteous God, is a holy God, and he overlooks my sin, that means God is not fair God. So God has to be a righteous God. He has to be a judge. He has to punish my sin. There is no other way. He has to punish my sin. God cannot say, I'm a loving God, so it's okay, you have sinned. Then God is no longer a holy God. So God has to be righteous. God has to be loving. How can he do this? If God has to be righteous, God has to be loving, God has to forgive a wretched sinner like me, but not punish me, how can he be righteous? Also loving. That is the righteousness of God. How can he do that? He says, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You know, we go back to the Old Testament. Old Testament, we know it was an agrarian society. People were involved in farming. And you know, what, what, what do we hear nowadays? The farmers, distress. So even in the Old Testament, the farmers were in distress. So when they are in distress, what do they do? They will sell their land. They will first borrow some money. They will not be able to return. And then they will sell their land. Agrarian society. Bible has come to us in the context of an agrarian society, agricultural society. The farmers, those days were also in distress. And God has revealed himself in and through that context. So in Leviticus chapter 25, 25, he says, If one of your fellow Israelites 
become poor, becomes poor and sells some of their property, their re nearest relative is to come and redeem what they have sold. This is what we call as kinsman redeemer. Okay? The nearest relative is to come and redeem what they have sold. That is redemption. Because the man who has sold his property or the man who has pledged his land, he cannot retrieve it. So who has to come and retrieve it? A, redeemer, a kinsman redeemer has to come and retrieve us. When we are sinful, we are so helpless that I cannot save myself. I cannot save me because I am sinful. I am in darkness. So who has to come? I cannot save myself. Now a kinsman redeemer has to come. And who is that kinsman redeemer? Jesus. Jesus comes. When we talk about redemption, we need to realize that Jesus came to redeem us because we cannot do that. And how did Jesus do? Because God has to punish my sins. He cannot save me without punishing my sin. If he saves me without punishing my sin, then he is not a holy God. God is not playing with sin. A holy God cannot play with sin. Human beings can say, you know, we have almost, we have spoken, you know, we are speaking so much about love of God, we have forgotten about sin. The way, for the wages of sin is death. Just because we don't speak, it doesn't mean sin is not so bad. Sin is awful. So if God, a loving God, has to forgive me, I am a sinner, if he has to forgive me, and if he has to be a righteous God, he can never forgive me without punishing me. And this God is such a loving God, what does he do? He loves me so much, to save me, he sends his own son, his own begotten son. The one who existed before the creation of the world, he sends him. He says, I will punish you. Instead of punishing me, he punishes Jesus. He is a righteous God because he has punished sin. But he punished himself. God punished himself to save me. That is salvation. That is salvation. What can you give to this God? What can you give to this God? When you understand the love of God, nothing in this world is more precious. All that we say is, Lord, I worship you with all that I have. The more we focus on the cross, you know, in Hebrews, he writes in chapter 3, I think it's 1, he says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, those who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. The more you focus on Jesus, you will realize you can only give yourself to God. You will say, God, I give myself. I give all that I have. Whether it is my talents, whether it is my time, whether it is my treasure, I give it to you. How can I, Lord, what you have done, you gave yourself for me. You were punished for my punishment, for my sin. 
that is redemption that is what jesus did on the cross god presented christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood that's what we have to receive it by faith there was no need for jesus to go to cross because jesus loved god the father so much and he loved us he went to the cross he could never tell no to god the father and he looked at us and he loved us that's why he went to the cross in mark chapter 14 35 to 36 the bible says going a little farther he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him abba father he said everything is possible for you take this cup from me yet not what i will but what you will that is the righteousness of god that is the righteousness of god i pray that all of us will understand the righteousness of god which is free which you have received it free a righteousness that comes by faith from first to last just as it is written the righteous will live by faith you know john murray he says god loved the objects of his wrath god is supposed to punish us because we have, we were sinners so he was supposed to punish us but god love when we say love of god he loved the object of his wrath so much that he gave his own son to the end that he by his blood should make provision for the removal of his wrath god is a god of justice he will never you know we have become very casual in preaching the gospel of salvation he is not going to overlook sin he has already punished that sin in and through jesus christ salvation is free but it is very costly today if we feel that you and i have been saved it has come at a great cost so when you look at the cross you can see the wrath of god the wrath of god on the cross when you look at the cross you see the wrath of god for sin and you also see the love of god on the cross on the cross you see both his wrath is anger and his love both you see on the cross that's what cross means to you and me god has never overlooked sin never overlooked sin so i just want to make one quick application before we go to the lord's table does the sight thought of the cross move us does the sight or thought of the cross move us 
if you are religious people we will only make a statement saying that jesus came died for my sin oh jesus is my savior we make a statement when you are gospel centered person you you believe in the work of jesus the object that endured the wrath the object that showed the love of god on the cross god loves you and me to the extent of going to the cross this god saved you by giving himself this god saved us by giving himself he is our god does the sight thought of the cross move us god is both the judge and the justifier we can never undermine the role of god as a judge he will he has to be a judge if he has to be a holy god he is always a judge and he has judged our sins it is my sin that sent jesus to the cross it is my sin that he bore in his body on the cross you know peter writes in his epistle he says that in his letter he says that christ bore our sins in his body on the cross it is my sin that he bore in his body on the cross you know sometimes we are good we say for the world yes he came to save the world salvation is an individual personal experience it is my sin thus the cross of god moves us and when you know your love endures forever do we realize this because god is a father worth having and he is a father we can have god is a father we can worth worth having and is a father we can have i don't say that because christ died for us all our problems are over no our problems will be more and more because we live in an imperfect world so our problems will be there struggles will be there we will fall sick because after all there are there's bacteria there's viral in the air so we will fall sick i'm not saying we'll be free from all this but once you understand the love of god love of god if this god gave his life to save you he will never forsake you he will be with you till the end of your life you may be going through a hell like experience but this god will walk with you right there he'll be with you right there because he went to the cross to show his love for you and me you will be that's why we said though i walk through the valley of shadow of darkness yet i will fear no evil for you are with me none of us will walk you know through the hell it won't be worse than the crucifixion so this jesus who went to the cross he will always be with us shall we just take few moments and just think about our own salvation experience how have we been saved while we were at sinners 
God came looking for us. We couldn't have saved ourselves because we were sinful. We were in the dark. We were hopeless people. It's only religious people will say, I'm better. But when we understand, the closer we get to God, the more we understand about our own sinful condition. And we can only thank God, God, I'm such a wretched sinner. I was a, such a wretched sinner. Yet you chose to come and save me. Amazing love, O oh Lord. Amazing. Help me to understand it a little more today. If you have taken your salvation very lightly, will you look to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. Though salvation is free, it is very costly. It cost the very life of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and it was that Word that was crucified on the cross. We have access to God because of what Jesus did for us. Pastor Pray. Let's close our eyes and look to God. Father, we thank you that we can survey, Lord Master, the wondrous cross. We can go through your word to know in detail the great work that you have done for us unworthy sinners to receive this love and grace. We thank you for the salvation that we have got, Lord. Father, I don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. But you have redeemed us out of because of your love. We thank you that, Lord, though it is free, for all of us, it, it cost your own life to suffer and die on the cross. Help every one of us, we the pastors, the leaders, Lord, the members, the believers, and everyone seated here. Lord, we will be able to, Lord, sit and ponder deeply the things that you underwent to redeem each one of us. Father, if we can make that, Lord, our life's ambition, desire, longing. Father, we will never take sin lightly. Give us thy grace to draw close to your heart, close, close to your cross. Lord, and we will turn our backs on sin completely, O oh God. Lord, we are not talking about perfectness, but we are asking for a heart that will be fully committed, Lord, to love you, to follow you, Father, to depend upon your grace and your strength to live in this world, a life that is pleasing to you. We thank you that the righteousness of God, the justification of God, we can, we can receive it freely through faith in Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your saving initiative. We thank you for giving us the grace to stand before you, Lord Master, completely holy before you, not on our own righteousness, but with your righteousness. We pray that you would help us to live each day with a commitment to you 
and we will be a blessing in this world we will be able to carry this righteousness of god wherever we go lord telling the people i'm saved because of the grace of god we will not be judgmental on others lord your righteousness your justification which has come to us freely lord should cause us not to lord condemn others and not to judge others instead look at the world that is in need of your gospel with love and compassion we'll be able to look at them and make them understand through our prayers and through our lives and through our words there's a salvation that is offered freely but at it cost god his own son we thank you once again for your word we thank you for the righteousness that we have received as believers and help us to always glory on in the cross in our lives in jesus name we pray amen